welcome to today's Create the Courage to be Fearless podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me. My name is Anita Matu and I am a mindset coach and a mentor. Every Tuesday, I'll be releasing a new podcast episode, which will either be a conversation with a courageous guest, a solo episode with me, or a masterclass full of insightful nuggets and wisdom. Each episode is designed to inspire you and help you discover and connect with that place of courage within you. So whether you're a first-time listener or you are one of my regular subscribers, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. It's gotten to the point where a man's safe space is in his relationship. It's the only place that he feels he can be safe. Thereby, partner becomes not only lover, but his therapist, mother, friend, all of confidant, right? Not only are the women not getting that emotional connection that they want, but they're also playing five or six roles in the relationship. The fallout from that is beyond the fact that it's not a healthy relationship is that one of the most common stories I see is when the woman finally has enough. And maybe it's not all her, but usually it's her. The woman has enough and she's like, can't do it anymore. Leaves the relationship. That man is broken. Absolutely broken. He doesn't have a social circle. Today's guest is Kyle Hamer, a men's coach and community builder at Men Becoming. Being an outcast in a small town, things were not easy. Kyle knows all too well what it feels like to be surrounded by people and yet completely isolated and alone. After joining a men's group in 2019, Kyle came to realize that he struggled to make friends and connect with other men, far less to do with everyone else and everything to do with how he was showing up. Over the past few years, Kyle has learned how to open himself up and allow other people into his life. And now his mission is to help other men open up to themselves and others to create a connection and fulfilling life. Welcome, Kyle. Hello. Glad to be here. What's one of the most courageous things you have done? That's a big question. You know, I, I honestly have to say it's doing what I'm doing right now. I've never been in a situation like, you know, I've been entrepreneurial before I've worked in sales before, and it was always easy for me to go knock on doors and go and do the thing. Cause it was external of myself. It was always a, you know, here's the product, right? And it's, it's something completely uh, different. And with what I'm doing with the community and what I'm trying to advocate for, I'm not saying it's all about me, but it's me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very personal and it's, it's putting myself out there. Stepping into that has been absolutely terrifying and it's taking way longer than I had ever thought it would probably largely because of that. It's uh, every, every little step forward is actually one giant step into that, you know, taking a courageous step forward. Yeah, definitely. You know what it feels like not to fit in and not belong. Tell me a bit more about that, please. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically felt like the story of my life. I think for me, it started, I remember very vividly. It was, it was grade four. We had a couple of brothers move into town and uh, they were in my class. I don't remember why that was the catalyst. I don't know if it was the, just that I remember them being there, but 
I remember very succinctly, like that was when I really noticed that like I didn't really fit in, that I didn't have any friends. I don't want to use the word bullied because I think it gets used a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I was never beat up. I've never, I've actually never been in a fight. I was, it was a little bit of teasing, but it Mm -hmm. was a lot of just like, nobody sees me. I just, I, you know, it's that never getting picked for the team, you know, nobody, nobody to talk to in the hallway, nobody to talk to on lunch hours. I did really well in the classroom because I could just focus on my studies and I dreaded the recess and before and after school and lunch hour. Because that meant that I was in survival mode. So it was, it was that always that feeling. I remember always thinking like, man, I just wish I was actually invisible. Mm. So that way there was an excuse for people not to see me. Absolutely. Yes, I can totally understand that. What does bell hooks refer to as the male patriarchal psychology? Unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. So I actually, I, it's funny because I'd been using. I'd been using certain terms. I've been talking about these, these ideas, these concepts. I call them social constructs. And I landed upon her book, uh, The Will to Change. And for those who don't know Bell Hooks, she was a very strong black feminist and she wrote a lot about love and patriarchy and feminism. But she was also probably the only one that I know of that really took on the issue of men in the mm. patriarchy. Not, not men are the are the patriarchy, but, you know, as I refer to it is, you know, we're all sons and daughters of the patriarchy. And so what she was able to do was give me a language uh, to better understand what it was that I was trying to say. And so the male patriarchal psychology that she refers to is kind of those social constructs that, you know, even within the circle of men, like even within our friend circles and our work and everything that we do, it's those rules that we ourselves uphold about masculinity and what it means to be a man. So it's, you know, it's that, you know, don't be emotional. Men don't cry, mm. suck it up, um, yes. you know, and it's, it's that psychology, you know, and, and she defines what I really liked is that she defines patriarchy as to divide and control. And when we talk about the patriarchy with women or, you know, BIPOC or, you know, any other number of ways that, that people are divided, it's very apparent. It's very in your face. With men, one of the reasons why it's so easy to blame men for the patriarchy is because we don't see that divide. And the reason we don't see it is that that divide Mm. is silent. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. dividing the man, essentially, depending on how, you know, how you want to look at this, dividing the man from his soul or dividing the man from himself. So at a very young age, boys are told, you can't play with that anymore because it's it's not manly. You can't dress mm-hmm. this way. You can't do these things. You can't be emotional. They also get pulled away from affection. <laughs> so we are so drawn away from who we are. And then as a result of that, like if you think of the patriarchy as a, as a weapon or a tool, the result of that is that men become this disposable being, which means that they can be sent off to war. They can go and work in the factories. They can go and do the things because they're so turned off. They so are so disconnected from themselves that it's easy to control them that way. So what is your experience of men paying a heavy price by the way of depression, addictions, isolation, and even suicide? This one always gets me so like, I literally got goosebumps when you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, not the good kind. I, on a high level, all we need to do is look at, you know, the, the, the rate of suicides, you know, mm-hmm. men to women is, I believe the number is four to one. 
It is high. So it's 400% more commit suicide men than women. Attempted suicides, interestingly, is, is actually almost the other way around. There are more women who have attempted suicides, but men are, I, I guess you could say men are more committed mm-hmm. to, to lethal Definitely. means. So, so when they do it, it's, they do it. Um, there's, no, there's no chance of being saved. But all we have to do is look at suicide rates, mental health issues, homelessness, depression. You just look around society and it's a mirror. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at the fact that like I live in, I'm in Vancouver and I okay. live just outside of, I'm in Chinatown. So I'm just on the fringe of the downtown East side, which is mm-hmm. where all the homeless are. And you go through there. And again, it's, it's probably 90% men. Mm-hmm. But when you look up men's shelters, there's none. Gosh, really? Right. There's, there's, there, there, there are five women's shelters within three blocks, but there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing for men. And bowling. Yeah. And it's, and it, it doesn't seem to matter what the issue is, right? It's the same thing as like when men, you know, go to the police because they're being assaulted by their partner, their female partner, they just get laughed at. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just not taken serious. And there's a lot of it. Yeah. Mm. And, and on a personal level, last December, I had a really good friend of mine who Mm -hmm. we, he was, he was a roommate uh, originally. He was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. but he was the guy that would drink a six pack, never get drunk, get a glow, but he would never get drunk. Mm-hmm. Always smiling, always laughing, always telling jokes. You know, he, he ran into some struggles in the, his relationship and that sent him over the top. It was more than he could handle. And I remember it was at my 40th, 40, it's my birthday last year. So my 41st birthday, he was just lost it. Like he was standing on chairs and he's yelling and he's just like, it was, it was really disturbing. We're like, what is going on? And I remember we went upstairs and he was absolutely super drunk. Mm -hmm. And he had told me how he'd been sexually abused when he was a teenager by an older teenager guy. Mm -hmm. And it was ongoing. Okay. I don't know if he ever told anybody. I think I might be one of the only people, if not the only person he ever told about. Unfortunately, I was in that mode of, I was in a job and I was just working crazy hours and I remember my last message to him was like, Hey, let's, you know, get together, play some pool in my building. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from his girlfriend and she was like, have you heard from him? Like, Oh, and she's like, well, he normally calls me or his mom every day and we haven't heard from him. Okay. So I reached out to him and, and on messenger and it said, you know, it gives you that notification of like he was last active an hour and it mm-hmm. was two hours ago, it was three hours ago. And then it was silent. And the next day I reached out to her. I was like, have you guys heard? And she's like, yeah, he's dead. Gosh. So sorry. And it wasn't suicide but he was a victim of the fentanyl crisis mm-hmm. but he got to that point where you know and what men do is you know because we don't have those support networks both personally or professionally and we're always taught to just deal with it suck it up don't complain don't whine don't you know don't cry mm-hmm. so we just shove it down and we become avoidant and when we avoid things we go to other things that help us avoid. Absolutely. So whether it's, you know, and it's usually addiction. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It's almost always addiction. So whether it's a work addiction or porn or sex mm-hmm. or um, alcohol, substance, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so he had always been on the, you know, that, like I said, that six pack a day, that was how he avoided it. Yes. And that wasn't strong enough. So then he started doing other stuff and it ended up being that they found him and he had, um, he had cocaine in his system. It was mm. fentanyl. And, uh, that rocked me. 
like that really put me in a spot. Like I sat in the, I sat, I remember sitting in the car in the parkade, just crying. And I've always been that guy that most other guys have always had this. I didn't realize how strong my wall was. So I can, I can watch a, I can watch a movie on TV or I can watch a video on TV and I can, the tears can flow. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to my own life, this wall, this stoicism, Mm -hmm. and that was one of the first times where it was just like, I just sat in the car. You know, there was, there was a lot of self-blame. There's a lot of, you know, not in terms of the outcome, but just in terms of who I was. I should reflect. Mm. Yeah. You know, and you know, that, that idea of, oh, I was so busy with work that I didn't get back to him. And, you know, I remember saying that. That, that night I was like, I never want to be that guy again. I don't care how busy I am. I want to be able to, at least if nothing else, just be able to send a text message. Hey buddy, just thought of you. How are you doing? Absolutely. It doesn't have to be a full commitment, but just that like, you know, Hey, I'm thinking of you. How are you doing? So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's both personal, but it's also, you know, and, and having struggled to belong for so mm-hmm. long and realizing that the reason why I wasn't belonging is. I was putting up these walls. When Definitely. I looked back in history, I realized there was this line of abandonment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from all the guys that I ever, you know, considered to be really good friends. So I just put this wall up and I was like, I'm not letting anybody in. Yet I was, and yet I was joining every sports team and every club and everything I could find to try and make friends. And yet I'm like, I don't know why I can't make friends. I'm doing everything in my power. What's going on? It was confusing. Yeah, I can imagine because you're. On one hand, from doing everything, the reality is the signals you're giving off are completely different. We need to talk about men's issues in order to address them. But do you find sharing something that is vulnerable can put men off? I think it's like anything, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, half the population is going to disagree with you. Mm. Um, so I, I really look at it from that that lens. And I, I would almost equate it to like you know, homophobia. Mm-hmm. In in that a lot of the people that are, you know, the more homophobic they are, the more they fear their own internal like dialogue. I think a lot of it's like that. So it's like people who the guys who are like completely rejecting that vulnerability and they're very vocal about it and they're very strongly opinionated about it are also mm-hmm. the same people that are very fearful Absolutely. of their own vulnerability. It's that projection. But I think that the other half of the population, I think there's a lot of guys out there that are sick and tired of not being able to express themselves and not being able to feel what they're feeling. And, you know, by having somebody, whether it's me or somebody else that can just say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling and put it out there publicly and be okay with it. It gives that permit. It's okay to to show your emotion. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be human. I mean, that's really what this is about is just being human. Yes, definitely. If possible, what would you say is the number one thing, the most important thing you have learned through your journey so far about emotions and speaking up and not having to be a man's man, you know, this masculinity that always is portrayed? Is there something that you could say? Yeah. So I, I joined a brotherhood uh, mm-hmm. local one. It was in person. Me, I might've actually, I, I said 2019, but I think it might've actually been like somewhere 2018. I can't remember exactly. It was 2019. It became very apparent that, you know, I had been spending, I'd, I'd basically been the nice guy. Mm. Um, so I didn't have any opinions. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say that I had opinion when it came to, Hey, let's debate something, talk mm-hmm. about politics, talk about money. Let's talk about, you know, whatever I'll have opinion. But when it came to, Hey, what do you want to eat? 
Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I was the whatever you want to do person. Hey, do you want to go here? Sure. Meanwhile, my inner voice was like, you know, I'd go to the thing and I'm like, I don't want to be here. But I didn't want to say no because I was afraid of losing that opportunity, losing that friendship. And that speaks to how I grew up. It was everything was about like, I don't want to miss out on anything because I spent, you know, my my younger years, informative years desperate to belong. <laughs> and so as a result of the brotherhood, I really learned about boundaries. You know, and, and that is really the difference between, you know, say the nice guy and mm-hmm. being, you know, the healthy guy is just having those boundaries. Because what would happen is that as the nice guy, you're like, yeah, 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 no problem, whatever, you will do whatever you want. But yeah. there's that resentment that builds and builds and builds. And then eventually it just like unleashes. And that's when the nice guy is completely becomes the a-hole loses his, you know, and everybody's like, what, what's going on? But it's been that, that, that buildup of resentment. Um, So that was one thing I learned. And then the other thing I learned was there was a couple of guys in the, in my, in my brother, in my squad that kind of called me out. You know, I remember we were on a camping trip and one guy just was like, oh, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I'm here. I want to connect with men, you know, like I want to make some friends. And he's like, nah, man, what are you doing here? And that was, that was another moment where it was like, I just end up, you know, tears coming down my face. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Through those moments and through the guys being a mirror to me, it was actually after I left the brotherhood. I I left it partially out of this feeling of like, I don't know if I really feel like I belong. Like, I don't know. And I realized months afterwards that I was like, oh man, I really had a wall up. Like mm-hmm. I would be vulnerable within the group, but I wasn't vulnerable with my friendship. I wasn't opening that door. I don't know if I answered your question because I believe your question was like, what have I learned? But it's it's definitely like you know, boundaries are super helpful. Since I realized that I wasn't opened up and allowed myself to open up, I think the most valuable thing that I've learned is that we are way better together. Yes. The collective, you know, both mm-hmm. men are better together, but also just people are better together. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so as a result, like I've, I've created some really, really, really strong friendships since then, you know, one guy we we're talking about me and I was, you know, talking about this idea of doing a podcast and all the things and mm-hmm. you know, what I was wanting to build. And he was like, well, how do you want to show up? Mm-hmm. That led it. And he's very fashion forward, you know, so that led it him to like us going on a shopping, on a guy's shopping trip. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying all this stuff on. He's like, nope, 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 yep, nope, yep, nope, nope. Yep. And um, and completely updated my wardrobe. And then it was like, all of a sudden, just from that, it was like my confidence came up and I felt better about myself. Mm-hmm. So it's just these little things of, you know, by having other guys in your life and being able to say like, you know, and being open enough to say, hey man, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you help me with this? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, and it serves both people because mm-hmm. they feel better about helping you and you feel better because you've been helped. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, there's this idea of being the lone wolf. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we really need to divorce from that. Don't help anyone. Men often cut themselves off from their emotions. And how does that play out in family life and relationships then? It's huge. It's huge. Mm. It, it, it's, I mean, it's really all encompassing. It's everything, you know, and one of the big things that I realized, like, you know, when I listened to, to bell hooks and I, I learned from her is everything's connected. Yes. So sure. if we want to create better lives for women, if we want to create better lives for children, if we want to create better lives for the young men, boys mm-hmm. that are still coming up, mm. you know, we need to address this issue because it's, You've got women who are, you know, you got relationship, people married together, whether they're married or not, but you've got these relationships 
mm. where women are absolutely starving for that emotional connection. Yes, totally. You've got guys who have friendships, they got buddies, but they don't have real connection. They, they might go golfing together or play hockey or, you know, whatever it is that they do, go camping, dirt biking, whatever the thing is, you know, they might grab their six pack of beer. And I know I'm kind of stereotyping here, but it's like, they might grab the, the you know, the case of beer, go out, do the thing. Yes. They don't go beyond the surface. Mm -hmm. Like they just, there's no real conversations. There's no depth. And, and again, that that's another form of avoiding. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the biggest price that men are paying, like, it's not a coincidence that depression is so high, right? Definitely. And addiction. It is not a coincidence because if you spend your life trying to be somebody else, how happy are you going to be? The real tragedy is that only the lucky few know that they're actually in that spot. Most people are living this inauthentic life to who they really are and they have no idea. And they're like, I don't know why I'm so depressed. I don't know why I'm... Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be depression. It can be anger. A lot of violence, a lot of anger is systemic of both twofold. And, you know, when we're young, it's like that boys will be boys. It's like, oh, boys can be angry. So we're allowed to be angry and we're allowed to be happy, but we're not allowed to be anything else. So we, it's almost, we're encouraging anger, kind of like what I was saying about the, the, you know, when we're, when we're holding something in that resentment builds and builds and builds. And usually when resentment lets go, it comes out in the form of anger. So, yes. you know, when you're, when you're, even if you don't consciously know that, yeah. that anger, that residual can still build up and it just, mm. it just unleashes. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say to anyone that's going through something similar resources do you recommend daily tips to anyone that wants to start a path on recovery from any addiction i don't know if that's two questions in one yeah and i mean i'm not an addictions guy like i'm not an addiction specialist so i'm not going to talk to that specifically but i will say like mm. the the biggest thing is is let's you got to let people in you got to mm -hmm. let people in i personally i mean i run a community so i really believe in community i think that that's the best way to go about it because it's what it's many to many for a lot of guys that's that's just not going to happen it, it's too much too soon start with a friend start with somebody mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who but just start with somebody and, yes, and let them safe. in let them in you know mm -hmm. and it's i think what men need more than anything else is a safe space. historically when we look back at you know, I kind of touched on this earlier, women's shelter. Yes, yes. It wasn't that long ago that, you know, you had all these private men's clubs or mm -hmm. men only. Mm -hmm. And in the name of feminism, in the name of equality, we lost those. Mm -hmm. All those ones that were men only are now co-ed. Yet, we still have a lot of things that are women only. And, mm -hmm. and it's okay to be women only because, you know, well, A, maybe guys don't want to do these things. B, mm -hmm. oh, it's a safe place. We're doing it because it's safer for us. They might be talking, you know, like, let's say in a gym or something. They yes, go ahead, and then they've got the women's only section because they feel safe. They can go there. They're not. But the reality is, is that men need a safe space too. And those okay. have, those have really in a large way been taken away from us. And the moment that you label something men only, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, that's sex. Why does it need to be men only? And it's mm. like, well, what is wrong with that? Like we as men need that space because mm -hmm. you can have a hundred men in a room and there's a certain energy to it. You put one woman in that room and the energy changes. Yes, definitely. It just changes. Mm. And we've we've lost that safe space. So men need a safe space. And, you know, when we talked about, when you asked me the question about like, you know, the price being paid, mm. what this, this, this one is, you know, I'm, I think the women will really resonate with this. It's gotten to the point where a man's safe space is in his relationship. Only place that he feels he can be safe. Mm. So thereby partner becomes not only lover, but is 
therapist, mother, friend, all of confidant, right? Not only are the women not getting that emotional connection that they want, but they're also playing five or six roles in the relationship. The fallout from that is beyond the fact that it's not a healthy relationship is that one of the most common stories I see is when the woman finally has enough and maybe it's not all her, but usually it's her. When the woman has enough and she's like, can't do it anymore. He leaves the relationship. That man is broke, absolutely broken. He doesn't have a social circle, doesn't have a support friends of community of anything. So they find themselves, they're like, I, I, I like country music. So everybody always bugs me about that idea of like, oh, I lost my house. I lost my dog. I lost my car, you know, but that's literally what happens. Yes. And they've got nowhere to go. Women, when they leave a relationship, they've got their friends, they've got mm -hmm. family, they've got community, they've got places mm -hmm. that they can go mm -hmm. to heal Definitely. and don't. And I think that's, I think that is actually one of the more invisible things that men go through that that isn't being talked about and isn't seen. So where can the listeners find you online? What's your website? Oh, it's, uh, I run a men's community. It's an online community. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's built around the idea of connection, community, personal development, growth, um, support, all the things that I think a community should be. Um, and it's called men becoming. Mm -hmm. So right now it's, uh, it, I'm using it on the, uh, the host site right now, which I plan to be moving over, but right now it's uh, manbecoming.circle.co. Yeah, that's that's really where I'm at. Thank you for sharing your insightful, courageous journey with us today. And by doing so, I'm sure you have helped so many other people. And I really want to acknowledge you for that, Kyle Hamer. Thank you so much. I'm glad that uh, reached out, gave me this opportunity to, to share what I what I'm doing and and uh, and to get this message out to other men that. You know, and, you know, um, and, and the women. So my final question to you is, because we are Create the Courage to be Fearless podcast, what is your definition of courage? I love the standard definition of mm -hmm. just that. You no, know, it, it's, you know, whatever you fear and you do it anyways. But <laughs> I, I think that on a more personal level, literally that like, oh my God, I want to throw up. Mm -hmm. I want to run away. I want to hide. I want to avoid it. I want to do anything else but, and then just doing it anyways. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Create the Courage to be Fearless with Anita Matu. I'd love you to let me know what your thoughts of today's episode and what your key takeaways are. So do leave a comment below. It's all about sharing. So if you have enjoyed the content, give me a like and share it far and wide. Post it over on Instagram stories and tag the link wherever you are listening to this episode. Post it on social media. Share it with your friends. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps the show reach more people and together we impact more lives. Thank you, and until next time, goodbye for now.